Uh, we're going to stay here in Genesis chapter 50 um, and just kind of look back over kind of what we t- talked about on Sunday nights or uh, on Sunday mornings and, and wrap up this closing scene in the life of Joseph. Um, there's so much that comes kind of full circle here um, in these last moments when, when Jacob dies. Um, let's go to God in prayer as we open up Genesis 50 tonight. God, we thank you for this day, um, for the rising and the setting of the sun, um, the dawn of a new day, which brings with it a new sense of purpose, a new sense of uh, opportunity with which we may live for your glory. We pray that it has been done in such a way. We pray for tomorrow, should we be granted the opportunity of tomorrow, that we would do the same, that we would pursue a life that is lived inside of your will, and that longs for you, and longs to be yours. May we seek out the, the different ways, the different opportunities that you place in front of us to be your people, to share your love with the people around us. Uh, may we pray for those, and then go out and seek them out, because we know they're there. You lead us by your Spirit, you guide us by your Spirit. May we have the awareness to hear you when you call. Uh, We thank you for Jesus, for the unity we have in his blood, and for the purpose we live with in him. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Um, So here we are in the story of Joseph. Everything has kind of come to this point. Uh, We touched on a couple of things this morning. I want to touch on them again. There's a there's a few things. I'm going to go back to what we talked about last week when we looked at Joseph in Potiphar's house. Right? It's not just that Joseph receives a blessing from God, but everywhere Joseph goes, people are blessed. Um, the whole house of Potiphar is blessed simply because of Joseph's presence. Uh, when Joseph goes to prison, good things happen to the people who are around Joseph. Um, it makes me kind of ask the question, do good things happen in the lives of people simply because I am around? Um, I think it's a good question to ask. All right, That doesn't mean that, you know, along with us comes this kind of heavy-handed blessing, but do I make people better because I'm there? Um one of the things that uh, people always said about Michael Jordan was that he made his teammates better simply by being on the court. There are some superstars that don't elevate the play of the people around them. Um, There are some that come in, and because of their ability, because of their talent, the people around them become better simply because of their presence. Um, Some of that comes with you know, the way defenses play against them, and you see that when those teammates go to other places and never do anything else. Like, this guy was a superstar when he played here, but he never did anything else when he left. Well, when he left, he wasn't playing with this guy anymore. There's some guys in in athletics who come onto a field, who come onto a court, who come into a space, who just naturally bring something different to the table than anyone else does. And some of that has to do with their personal ability and their talent, a lot of it has to do with their drive to be more, to be better. Um, For Michael Jordan, what drove him was this sense of, 
I've been passed over. Like what drove him was a, was a desire for revenge to stick it into somebody's face, his success. And you would think after the successful career that he had, that that would have died down. But even in his Hall of Fame acceptance speech, he took a moment to stick it to every person that had offended him over his professional career. He went all the way back to his sophomore year in high school and mentioned his high school basketball coach by name. He said, you didn't think I was good enough to play for you as a sophomore in high school. But what do you have to say now? And he didn't say it in, in a joking, jesting way. He said it in a I got you kind of a way. He even called out the man who his coach started in his place and said, I bet he's pushing brooms or something to that nature. But I, I don't know where he is or what he's doing, but I know what he's not doing. He is not receiving a, a gift or an invitation to join the National Basketball Association Hall of Fame. All kinds of things can drive us to be those kinds of people. Joseph walks into Potiphar's house as a slave, and immediately the blessing of God comes to Joseph and to Potiphar and to Potiphar's house. And everything is better because Joseph is present. You see, I want to strive to be the kind of person the kind of Christian, the kind of Jesus follower that just by being present with people, things are better. That strife doesn't come with me. Envy and jealousy don't come along with me. But what comes along with me is peace, joy, love, Gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, and the love of God. That these are the things that come along with me, with us, when we come into a space. That This is what comes along with Joseph. His faithfulness pours out onto the people that are around him, whether he's in Potiphar's house or whether he's in prison or whether he's in the palace. Joseph is the same. The same man with the same dedication, with the same drive. And it has never been, at least not as we see, it has never been a drive for revenge against his brothers. To stick it to the people that would have evil intent for him. What motivated Joseph to, to elevate the people around him, was simply his faithfulness to God. And that faithfulness allowed him to endure all kinds of injustice, all kinds of mistreatment. People told lies about him. They held him in places where he didn't deserve. He didn't deserve to be in jail, but he was there. He shouldn't have been in jail as long as he was, but, you know, the person that he helped get out of jail forgot about him until one day when, when he remembered, oh, man, I forgot about Joseph. How could you forget about Joseph? He interpreted dreams. That seems to be a pretty memorable skill to have. But, you know, we forget. 
Joseph didn't hold that against him. And even though we see a glimpse of the humanity of Joseph when he first meets and encounters his brothers, we see this faithfulness to God come out in the end as he restores the relationships. And one of the things that really captures my attention as you read through Genesis chapter 50 is when Joseph's father dies, Egypt mourns. Um, It's not just that the, the Israelites that are there, his family, it's not just the immediate people who are living in the land of Goshen, but Egypt mourns the death of Joseph's father. It's just one of those little details that's put in there, and not a lot is made of it, but it reminds us that as people who are God followers, people who are Christ followers, there should be something about the way that we live that creates this connection where people just want to feel like they belong with you. And it's something that I didn't really understand and sometimes still don't understand. Um, but you know, I've told you about my, my partner at, at Bob Moore for you know, several times. Um, he would go down, didn't matter if we were off at 3.30 or 6 o'clock. When we got off of work, he would go down to the Santa Fe and he would sit there until they closed. And he would drink, watch sports, and gamble. I bet he spent $300 a night at the Santa Fe. I mean, he was a single man. His kids were all growing out of the house. All he had to care for was himself. And that's what he liked to do. And he used to always ask me to come down there with him, and I used to always turn him down. Um, and one night he was, you know, had a Monday night football game on, um, and he said, Joshua, why don't you ever come to the Santa Fe with me? And I said, I don't know, Rob. I said, I probably wouldn't be much fun to be around for you guys. I mean, you know I don't drink. And he goes, you don't have to drink. And I said, I know I don't have to, but he said, Joshua, I just want to be around you. I like being around you. And I thought, man, how foolish of me not to, how foolish of me not to see that before now. Uh, We were good friends. We shared a lot of things together. Um, I walked with him through a lot of issues that he had with his son and with his daughter and with his ex-wife. I walked him through the loss of, of a couple of friends who we worked with. We had been through a lot of life together. And what I didn't realize, maybe until it was too late... That if we are living the kind of life that we are supposed to be living as people who are followers of Christ. Most of the people we encounter, they they can't really explain it. All they know is they just want to be near. It's like, I don't know what it is. I I just like being around you. Joseph strikes me as one of those kind of people. 
And everywhere he went, people just said, you know, there's something different about this guy, Joseph. Everywhere Joseph goes, it seems like his God follows him and blesses him. Blesses the people around him and people are better. Something different about him. The Egyptians become a big part of Joseph's family. They give him land. They give him space. And they mourn the passing of his father. One of the things I think we see there is that maybe we can learn from it is you look at what Joseph did with all of the different ways that he went through times of suffering from the pit to, to being a slave, from being disowned or, or lost from his parents in a foreign country, in a foreign land with foreign people, to being in prison, to having to work his way up through Pharaoh's household. In all of these different ways, Joseph found ways to bring glory to God. And in the end, he will end up helping others who are experiencing difficult circumstances. Because he ends up walking his brothers through this, this process of accepting his forgiveness. Because they're still having a tough time really believing that Joseph could have possibly forgiven them for what they've done. They think that he may, maybe is just waiting until the right day. Like, we don't want to put our guard down because <laughs> what we did deserves some retribution. Nobody can be that forgiving, can they? We'll read it again. We read it this morning. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, if he's holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. They send a message saying that his father has asked him to forgive them. Um, In verse 18, then his brothers also came. They bowed down before him and said, we are your slaves, right? In a sense, once again, they have made his dreams of childhood come true. As his brothers are now bowing at the feet of the brother they vowed to never bow at the feet of. But Joseph says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me, but God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you, and I will take care of your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You see, that's a little phrase there that that really has a lot of power. He comforted them, and he spoke kindly to them. You know, he didn't talk down to them. He didn't... He could have done all kinds of things in that moment to kind of rub their nose in what they had done and to remind them, you know, that he was a lot better than they were because of the kind of forgiveness that he had offered. I want to do the right thing, but first I'm going to get a little jab in. And it's not going to be nearly what you deserve, and you're going to be okay taking it because, you know, you've treated me really, really poorly. And and I owe that to myself, right? Surely I've got that much coming. He says, I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to take care of your little ones. And he spoke kindly to them. Your suffering can bring glory to God. And through it, you can help others who are experiencing difficult circumstances. 
And that's frequently something that doesn't come until much later, right? I mean, because it's hard for me to help somebody else that's going through something while I'm still coping with that suffering. But see, Joseph has had some time. He's had some time to see the way God has worked through all of those things. And now he has a chance to walk his brothers through that process of restoration that he's already been through. Because he's seen the way God has worked. And I wonder sometimes if we think... if we think that our lives really mean something or if we're just lemmings that are kind of walking around swayed by the wind making a little difference here or there but ultimately not really impacting much except the handful of people that we encounter each day and even then I'm not really sure I have such a great impact at all or what value my life really is. And so we spend our whole lives just simply worrying about me. And maybe my family. I wonder if we realize how much purpose we've been given to live with when we are in Christ. Uh, Melly Weasel was a Holocaust survivor. Um, should have died in, in the Holocaust, but in an uh, interview in the New York Times, um, he said, if I survived, it must be for some reason. I must do something with my life. It is too serious to play games with anymore because in my place, someone else could have been saved. And so I speak for that person. On the other hand, I know that I can't speak for them. Right, and so after this happened, he realized that, you know, asked the question, you know, why did I survive? Why was I spared when so many were lost? I don't know what he did with the rest of his life. Don't know anything about his personal life. But there is this very real realization that you and I must come to rather swiftly. Which is, it's okay to have fun in life, but do we realize the serious nature of the very short lifespan that we have? 70, 80, 90, 100 years seems like a long time, but the closer I get to 70 or 80 or 90 years, the shorter that time becomes. And the faster it goes. I mean, I thought old people were lying when they said, don't worry, as you get older, time accelerates. Like, that's not possible. It's possible. It is entirely possible. Some way, somehow, you get to about, what, 30, 35, and all of a sudden, it's like that roller coaster is top of the hill, and you're just charging downhill, and all of a sudden, life's just flying by, and kids are growing up, and, you know, Everything's moving on, and it's like, good night, is it already Sunday again? <laughs> like, I just finished preaching my sermon on Sunday night. Have I taught Wednesday night already? How can it already be Sunday? The weeks go by like days used to. The Ecclesiastes writer was right, right? Life is like a mist that appears and vanishes. He said, it's too serious to play with now. 
do we realize what we have opportunity-wise in our hands to impact people for the cause of the kingdom of God? To participate in those things and to allow God to work and our suffering plays a part in that. The way we deal with trial and tribulation plays a part in that because I tell you what the world needs to hear. The world needs to hear that they have hope. They have hope when they look out at a justice system they don't feel is just, when they look out at a culture that they don't feel like is relevant, when they don't feel like they are represented, represented in politics and religion or even at work. They need to know that they have hope when every time they turn on the news, there is somebody else shooting somebody else, and nobody feels safe. They don't feel safe at home, they don't feel safe at work, and they don't feel safe at school. They need to know that they have hope when they walk through the airport and they see armed security guards everywhere and security checkpoints everywhere and drug dogs and gun dogs and bomb dogs and, and all these different kinds of things that tell us you're living in a culture that's messed up. That culture needs to know that there is hope and there is hope that is found in God and it is a hope that goes so far beyond the circumstances that we find ourselves living in today. It is an everlasting hope, and it is the only thing that allows us to endure all of the things that our culture throws at us. There's a song called, When Trials Come, and it says, When trials come no longer, fear. For in the pain, our God draws near. To fire a faith worth more than gold, And there, His faithfulness is told. You see, we should not fear trials. We should not fear the fact that that suffering exists or may come. In In fact, rather, we count on it to come in one way or another because we know Satan is at work against us because we are working for him. And we will take solace in those things because we know that in the midst of that trial, that is when God is most near. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were never closer to God than when they were in the middle of the furnace. And the angel of God was walking around in their midst. Jesus may have been never nearer to God than when he was in the garden in the midst of his prayer in the midst of his agony of what he was about to face. We find God most obviously in those moments of trial and of tribulation. And every day is something that we should take advantage of. Because it's easy for me to trust God when things are going well. The question is, will you trust God even when times are tough? Or will we do like many in the world do, do and, and just start questioning and, and passing off all of the things that we've heard about God when things just don't go our way? But to trust God in the difficult of times. Leo's Ben Franklin said, Be at war with your vices, be at peace with your neighbors, and let every year find you a better man. Are we committed to being better today? 
than we were yesterday and being better tomorrow than we were today. To constantly commit ourselves to growing in our knowledge of who God is and who he has asked me to be. Or are we just simply taking the the days, the moments, the hours that we are given and allowing them to be wasted away? I say in my prayers regularly that um, I pray that tomorrow, should we be granted it, will be used for your glory. And I say that in all seriousness, but I wonder frequently if I really mean that I'm not really certain tomorrow's going to come. Because I've learned to count on it. In fact, it's one of the theories that I was grown up with. Why, put off today to, or why, put, why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? Man, that's created some great conversations in my house with my wife who operates with the exact opposite um, ideology. My dad always said, man, if I do something early and Christ comes tomorrow, then that time is, is time that was wasted doing something that could have been used more, more for something more, uh, more urgent, more profitable. So I will wait to the last minute just in case the Lord decides to come back. But what we've grown to bank on is that yesterday came and the day before that came and all of the days of my 42 years have come and gone in the same way. And we are relatively assured that tomorrow will be the same and the next day will be the same. Even though our experience tells us that nothing is guaranteed. And especially with Highways and byways being the way they are here, simply getting from point A to point B is not guaranteed. Don't waste your life. But more importantly, don't waste your moments. Seek out the ways in which God may be glorified. When, when, when things are going great, and particularly and especially when things are, are not going as great as you would like for them to because those are the moments that not only do you find yourself nearer to God, but the world may see something different in you because anybody can be faithful to a God in the midst of blessing. But when people can face a trial of any kind and find that kind of commitment to God and to say, I don't care what you see or what is going on, the one thing I know, my God, is faithful and good. And he will bring something good out of this, even if I can't see it right now. That is the way in which we glorify and bring praise and honor to a God who deserves our praise and our honor.